Here we are tonight where we're learning this uh, latest breaking news out of Saskatchewan where yet another horrific discovery has been made. Hundreds of unmarked graves, many uh, believed to be children near this residential school that ran up until about 1997. And um, we'll learn more information about this tomorrow as leaders of the Coessis First Nation will uh, come out, but they teamed up with an underground radar detection team from Saskatchewan uh, Polytechnique uh, to start the search just over three weeks ago, and so here we are again. And uh, it's a headline I think we need to get used to hearing as we move forward. I want to bring Ken Coates into this discussion. He's a Canadian historian focused on the history of Canadian North and Aboriginal rights and Indigenous claims, also with Macdonald Laurier Institute, where he is a senior fellow in Aboriginal and Northern Canadian issues. Thanks a lot, uh, Ken, for joining us. Great to be with you. You know, Murray Sinclair, who was head of the Residential Commission, he asked for money years ago because he was hearing from survivors telling him that their children were buried somewhere out there, and that money was denied. And yet, in just the last six weeks, because bands have put their own money forward to get these searches going, we had 215 at the Kamloops School that were found, and tomorrow we expect um, it's expected to be significantly more, hundreds more, that are buried on this site. Yeah, it's a very sad story, isn't it? And you can understand why First Nations people get so frustrated with both with government but with Canadian society at large. Uh, For some reason, just hearing Marie Sinclair's report come back and talk about the number of deaths, uh, three, four, five, six thousand children who died in residential schools, uh, left people unmoved. And for some reason, perhaps for good reason, the Kamloops situation has really shaken people. Um, it's resulted in a lot of efforts being made to sort of respond. But, you know, there's part of you that has to say this is very, very frustrating and a little pathetic. Uh, that that you know, We've all known, people who work in the field have known about the fact that there were many deaths in the schools, that many of the graveyards that were there were have unmarked graves, but also the graves fell into disrepair. Um, and we just let let society let it pass by without without reacting, which is very strange. Yeah, I mean, it's very sad. I, I think for many, it's it's shocking. Uh, I think it's something we're going to have to get used to for a long time. Hearing these headlines because we've only really started these the proper search, uh, and it's going to take some time. And, and certainly, I think there are many in First Nations communities across this country who feel very validated right now because they knew this and no one would listen. But this is a residential school called uh, Mary Maryval. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, it operated for a long, long time in the 1800s, but right up until 1997. And the church took it over um, and ran it up until about the 60s. But then it was handed back to the government, the Cretchen government at the time. Um, you know, this is not an old story. It's still very, very, you know, modern day history here in this country. Well, well, it is. I mean, I was raised in the Yukon, which is a long way from Kaos's First Nation. Uh, there were two residential schools in the Yukon. And uh, when I went to grade eight, and I'm not a terribly old person, when I went to grade eight, the children uh, who were coming into my class, the Aboriginal kids, almost all came out of the residential schools. Um, so, so that experience is, is very real for people in many, many parts of the country. Uh, not so much the urban environments where sort of uh, day schools are provided or integration actually took place in the public school system. But certainly in the northern areas, these residential schools were a, a huge part of life until really until the 1960s and some places even after that. And I can tell you that, that, 
that you know the people there knew about these problems for a long time. They complained about it, and they asked for action. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission asked for action. And there's something really disturbing about the fact that the government can find millions of dollars once the Kamloops situation became known. All of a sudden, the government's promising millions for this and millions for that. Um, and, and it basically tells you that until the, the non-Aboriginal society wakes up to something, then it's actually not worth doing. And it was just Indigenous people who were upset. Uh, the, the matter was sort of pushed off from the back burner. And, and we've got to learn a lesson in this. And the lesson has to be to listen to Aboriginal folks more closely. Yeah. I mean, uh, Murray Sinclair, I mean, he, he, he said upwards of 25,000 children could be found by the end of this. I mean, there were 150,000 kids in this country sent to these uh, schools. But that's a staggering number. Yeah, and we'll never know the actual number itself. And, you know, when most of these children, I know sort of part of the answer comes back is, hey, they died of tuberculosis, they died of influenza. It's absolutely true. Um, but the reality is, is that oftentimes their parents did not know for, for months, if not for years, that their children had died um, and that they were not they were not handled with respect. Um, and, and there's many reasons to be upset about this. But the most important one is the fact that, that the Canadian society is still so slow in, in, in identifying its responsibilities uh, for the way in which Indigenous people have been mistreated for so very long. Yeah, and, and certainly, I mean, I think Canadians are sincerely listening. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, shame. I think there's a lot of shock. And I think um, a lot of Canadians don't really know what to do at this moment as we hear this news. But certainly for those who have been asking and who have been kind of crying out about this and, and asking where their children are, I mean, finally, uh, not only are they being heard, Ken, but... Certainly now, hopefully, their children will get recognized, um, either brought home or they can find that final link um, to bring them some peace. I, I hope so. And in that process, there's a, an element of closure, an element of respect, as you, all, as you already identified, um, and, and being heard. And, and I think if, if in fact, the, the, the shock and the shame turns out to be something much more substantial, that'll be very, very good. Uh, it tends not to be in Canada. We tend to have a short attention span to Aboriginal crises. Um, and, and so I hope, it, I hope this is different. I really hope that this time around, we go, and we go beyond residential schools and start realizing that there's a whole series of other issues that have to be viewed in the same way of long-term impact, lingering consequences, and huge suffering on the part of Indigenous peoples. No question. It's uh, the beginning of a conversation, and certainly I think uh, people are ready to listen. Uh, Ken, I appreciate you joining us on such, such short notice, and we'll chat with you again. Anytime. Take care. Ken Coates is um, a, an expert on Aboriginal and Northern Canadian uh, issues, and certainly we'll get more details tomorrow uh, from the Cowessess um, First Nations when they come out.